This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. John Jones beats Gustafson and will face Anthony Smith at UFC 235. Nunes cements herself as the female mixed martial arts GOAT. Kamaru Usman gets the next welterweight title shot over Colby Covington. Rose Namajunas draws Jessica Andrade, and she may have to defend her title at a stadium in Brazil. And we are one week away from the latest champion versus champion fight, and it will air right here on TSN. Very stoked for that. And we're joined this week by Alexander Hernandez, who fights on that very card, the first ever ESPN-branded UFC card next week in Brooklyn. Very exciting. Thanks to those listening on TSN Radio in Toronto and Ottawa or to the podcast. Please tell your friends, review the show, and subscribe. And we appreciate any listener feedback you might want to send us. So if you have anything you want to talk about, combat sports, anything you want us to talk about, at Aaron Bronstetter and at Bazooka Joe V on Twitter is where we can be reached. Joe, hey. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah, it's, that year flew by, that's for sure. Yeah, well, they always do. Yeah, I mean, a year the, older. The days go slow wiser, and the years go fast. That's it. A few more wrinkles and white hairs coming in, but we're good. Yeah, well, especially yeah. on this end. Yeah. Um, just turned 37 a couple days ago. Hey, happy old, birthday, too. Old man. What day was the birthday? Uh, the 8th. The 8th, okay. So I guess uh, back on Tuesday. Yeah, that's my mom's um, second birthday. Okay, so my mom, yeah, please yeah, elaborate. Yeah. <laughs> so my mom was born December 22nd, and um, I guess back in Sicily, they never registered her right away until January 8th. So okay. her birth certificate says January 8th, but she was born December 22nd. All right, well, happy so, second yeah. birthday to Joe, uh, Mrs. Valtellini. That's it, yeah. So mm-hmm. special day, Aaron. That's Absolutely. It. Yeah, so does she get two cakes? You're extra special to me does now. Does she have like you two share cakes? share with my mama. Mm-hmm. One official cake on the 8th and one unofficial See, cake I on the I always give her the birthday gift on the 22nd. That's the real birthday. So yeah. I, that's the... That's when I give her. I'll say this. As somebody born after Christmas, it's better to have your birthday before Christmas. You think so? Yeah. What do you think you get better gifts? People just don't want to give gifts by the time January 8th rolls around. They just gave gifts two weeks ago. Yeah, but then you think there's Boxing Day sales. You might get a little bit of better. That's true. That's true. You can take advantage of those sales post-Christmas. With Black Friday, Boxing Day is starting to to fade, man. I agree. It's not as good. I think Black Friday this year was better for me than uh, Boxing Day. Yeah, which is better because that's when you can stack up on gifts. Yeah, and it's just before Christmas, so you can kind of, like, if you can plan yourself out to kind of get your gifts on Black Friday, that would be the goal. Well, I watched on the news on Boxing Day, they always have People like that are crowding and getting into crowds and trying to. You're crazy. Like, go online. Yeah. That, Everything is online. The, that's what I don't understand. My or buddy, go later in the week. Like, the sales are not better just that day. Oh, my buddy Vince, I've been ripping on him for now, literally since Boxing Day. I go to his house, like weekly, he's one of my best friends, and I still see the box that he went at <laughs> 4 a.m. to line up for. Still, the TV's still in the box. I'm like, you haven't even taken Well, I needed to, uh, someone to hang it in mouth. I said, you could have ordered Order it, it. online. Three days later, you have You could have ordered it online. We told you this. He's like, well, I wanted the experience. I'm like, how was the experience? Yeah, waiting terrible. in the cold for six hours. Terrible. That's how your experience was. Yeah. Terrible. Anybody could have told you that. Yeah. But now it's still sitting in the box. I'm like, what a waste. Especially the Best Buy people. Those are the people that make me the most. Yeah, that's where he went. Best Buy. There's more stock online. That's where he went. Best Buy. We're like. It's all online. <laughs> all online. This is crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, we, for I, years, I rip on him every day. For 15 years, I've, I've been it. going online and buy 15 years yeah. going to Future Shop. Back when it was Future Shop, you order a I, TV with $2.99. Always said, if I could, even if it's an extra $2, $5, yeah. $10, just not to go to the store and waste your gas and the time getting in there is worth, you know, paying the extra five bucks in my eyes. Yeah, if you don't need it now, yeah. just go online. Whatever. Yeah. People are just impatient. They, people, we have, they we live in a now. now society. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Stupid. Well, mm-hmm. I didn't buy anything for Boxing Day. That's for sure. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing for me. I can't remember if I bought I don't think I did it either. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so, 
John Jones back in the news because uh, he's beaten Alexander Gustafson. His drug tests came back as negative. No picograms to be found. <laughs> and uh, he's going to now face Anthony Smith. Quick turnaround. UFC 235, a very, very stacked card March 2nd in Las Vegas. Yeah, that's probably the nicest card I've seen in a long time. I oh, mean, that's, that's great. I mean, and I, in I, terms of depth, like I, I don't think yeah. it has the, the, the headliner that turns I just heads. think the number of fights that are good on the card is what makes it fun. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and uh, but you know what, John Jones is a ten to one favorite in that fight, and probably should be. Yeah, Smith is good though. He is. I mean, I think Smith always has the puncher's chance because um, you know, um, just the power that he has, and he's shown in his last few fights, and he's got the experience. A lot of like, I mean, I think he's got thirteen losses on his career, which is you know, you need those losses. He's not scared to lose. He's not scared to get in there and, and lay it out there. I think it's a good fight. Yeah, um, I think so too. I think it's going to be. Interesting to see what happens because Smith is pretty well-rounded, yeah. but I just think Jones is going to be so much bigger than him. Are, are you one of the people who thought Anderson should have got the fight? No, I'm okay. not one of those people. If, if I was going to give the fight to anybody, I'd give it to Tiago Santos. Okay. Even yeah. though he, I don't think he's really earned it just yet, I just think that's a better fight. Yeah. Why do you think they went with Smith? What do you think the well, Smith is the third-ranked guy. The number one-ranked guy is Cormier. That's not happening. And the yeah. number two-ranked guy is Gustafson. So he's next in line, technically, yeah. of, the, of the potential uh, opponents that you have. So why, why bypass Smith if he's ready to go? Because yeah, I know if you're going to go down upset, the line, right? I know Corey he shouldn't Anderson. be upset. And Anderson also he is should ex- be or should be? No, he shouldn't be. And he's expecting a child in March anyways. Like, yeah, well, yeah. So I, know I, don't think he I don't think he should be upset. He, I mean, he's got a, a good streak. He's got a three-fight win streak. But so yeah. is Smith. Yeah. And Smith beat Ozdemir. Finishes, who, yeah. Yeah, and he finished Ozdemir. Yeah, he's getting finishes, and he's beating higher-ranked guys. So, yeah. no, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm happy to see Anthony right Smith move. get in it. I'm, yeah. really ha- I'm really happy to see it. I think it's a good guy who you've seen as a journeyman, put his time in, earn his stripes, come back, improve as a fighter, and now get that shot. It's, it's a good story. Yeah, I mean, you've got Luke Rockhold you know, firing missiles at him from outside the division, even though he's not in it yet, but saying that you know, Smith could barely yeah, crack the top had, 10. He had a nice quote that I, I read. I think, um, I think it was the Fight Network who posted it, but he had a nice quote that Anthony Smith said that was really good um, firing back at John Jones. At Which, Jones or Rockhold? Um, it was Rockhold, yes. Yeah, yeah. It was Rockhold. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I thought it was really well said, well spoken, and just kind of bashed him a bit, you know, which was good. Well, I mean, we're in a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately for society, right? Like, yeah. if you look at what Rockhold's last couple of years are like, he's got a win Being over David Branch. Out. Yeah. Yeah, he's got knocked out by, Ro- by Romero. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think you could... I mean, if there was nobody, if there was no Anthony Smith, maybe you could fast-track um, Rockhold, but I don't know. But I still think... You know, Rockhold really matches well with Jones. I think he's right when he says that. I think it's a great fight because he can, he can do everything pretty good. Well, what does he do better than Jones? I wouldn't say anything better, but he does everything pretty good where I don't think Jones could have a huge advantage in any area on him. I think, But I think if you have an advantage in every area, that's probably enough to get yeah. you a win. Yeah. He'd also be much... People don't, don't think about how big Jones is. Like His reach is unbelievable. He's very tall. Like I was standing next to him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw him walk off the interview with me uh, yeah, during fight that. week. Yeah. But he's a, he's a really big guy. Yeah. And I've stood next to Anthony Smith, and he's a pretty big guy too. But not, not quite the size of a, of a Jones or a Gustafson. Like, mm-hmm. uh, speaking to those guys... Those are really large men for 205. I, I spoke to Corey Anderson as well. Corey Anderson's like a big guy, but he's not, yeah, not quite John the, Jones, the size of a John Jones. I think it's the height of John Jones that helps him give him that big feeling, you know? Like, same thing with Gustafson. Like, Jones looked big, even with Gustafson in this last one. Well, the thing about Jones that makes him so great is that not only does he have these great skills in terms of wrestling, in terms of striking, he's also got incredible length, incredible size, and he knows how to use it. Like, yeah. that's what makes, I think, the perfect fighter. 
The perfect fighter to me is somebody who's who's very tall, yeah. who keeps their head neck neck tucked, doesn't like have tall guy defense as they call it. Yeah. Um has really really high level wrestling like a Jones. Like those are the people that are almost unstoppable because yeah. what are you going to do to beat them? Yeah, I think the one area where he would probably not have an advantage with some would be overall power, I think, when in striking. I think he's where he improves is more like a Conor McGregor, his timing, his, his precision. And I think what makes Jones that much better for me is the creativity in his striking. The way he blends things together, I think, is what makes it fun. He'll throw unconventional elbows and boxing to elbows. Because I remember I just released on my YouTube channel a lot of uh, an episode on boxing to elbows. And right away, all the comments were, John Jones, John Jones, because his, his creativity with it is amazing. And the way he blends it, I, that's what I appreciate most about him. Well, when you look at um, at that fight with Gustafson, he had a pretty Joe Valtellini-esque strategy. Yeah. Took the legs out. Chopped the legs. Got, kept the distance. Got, yeah. got him out of boxing distance. Yeah. When they were in boxing distance, Jones did a good job of, uh, of throwing good single strikes to, to keep him at the end of his punches yeah. and, and create that distance. And I thought he did a good job of, uh, of finding a strategy that would offset the strengths of Gustafson. Yeah. And it's simple. Gustafson is better in the boxing department. He knew that from the first fight. He learned that really quickly. So how do you beat a good boxer who's good with their range? With low kicks, with range, good distance. Like your legs are longer than your arms. So if, if Gustafson's punching, I can stay outside of that punch range and chop away at the legs, you know, create some offense from outside there. And that's exactly what he did because I'm um, hearing Jones in a pre fight interview he said in that first fight, Gustafson's boxing was good and he found that his range control was better. And again, fighting's all about range, but John Jones improved that little bit of range and that's why he looked good. He kept him outside of the punch range and just. Able to use those kicks and those takedowns, and that's it. Every fighter has an opinion on this, and I want to get yours. The oblique kick that they throw, the Jackson Wink pro- yeah, yeah. protégés throw. That what do you think of them? The... Yeah, the sidekick to the top of the knee. Uh, do you think that it's a cheap, like it's a cheap move? Um, it's, and it's, it's, a, it's, it's an old and it's school like karate You're looking move. to maim people. You're not, you know, it's it's just a move that's strictly for for damage. Um, I don't mind it. I, I don't mind it because it's it, it's more than damage. It's 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 annoying. And, I mean, mm-hmm. it's more of um, in order to strike, you have to step. But every time you kick that, you avoid me from stepping. So it gives me a hard time. It's almost like um, someone who does that. It's like my low kick. It's annoying because every time you go to step to punch me, yeah, it boom, hurts. Yeah. it hits. <laughs> boom, it hits. You're like, damn, every time I step to go to punch, I get that kick. So that's what that oblique kick kind of does. And it kind of forces guys not to be able to step and do power. I don't mind it. I don't love it. It's not part of my arsenal that I like to throw. But, uh how do you yeah, defend it? Do you just lift the leg? Is it like you can lift the leg, like try the leg to kick? Yeah. use feints, try to feint in. So when mm-hmm. they throw the sidekick, then attack off of the feint and counter off of it, um, or try to stay in close range. You got to create coming on an angle, um, yeah, or or kick off of it. Don't sit there and try to punch off of it. You're better off keeping your yeah, range and throwing opposite leg. Yeah, staying yeah. long, power kick off the outside. But if you keep walking forward trying to punch, you're going to eat that all day. Same yeah. with my low you kick. Can, same really with anyone with good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you think it's fair game, something like that. I yeah. mean, it's within the rules. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. If, yeah, you're allowed, of, if you're allowed to sit there and elbow someone from mount, I yeah. think you're allowed yeah. to, you know, A lot of people side call it a dirty move for some knee. reason. That, I, I personally, know. what I don't like is the foot stomps. If I'm going to say, hey, if we're going to take any foot attack out, I don't like the foot stomps. Why? Because yeah. they're pesky? I don't know. It's just see, it's the, annoying. Yeah. It's like little bones it's on like the foot. It's like a slap almost. It's almost like a slap yeah, using your like, foot. There's a lot of little bones in your foot and you're kind of stomping on them. Like I get it. I mean, it's fair play. Like... Uh, you, can punch, you can punch someone in the face. I think in Montreal, in, in, the, in Quebec, they're illegal. Yeah, You can punch someone in the face, so stomp mm-hmm. someone. Like, yeah. If I can spin kick you and, and knock you out in the head, I mean, yeah, stomp on my foot. But, I mean, I just think it's annoying. It's stupid. It's minor. You know? Yeah. A lot of people have asked me about that interview with Jones. 
Yeah, about, uh, yeah I'm curious about it. Well, what do you want to know? Um, what were you? Was it? Did he take it as more of you were insulting him, or did he take it more of he didn't like the question? Well, that he was didn't let me finish the question, and I think we I had a bit of a misunderstanding. I thought, like, if you watched the entire interview, I thought I was being very complimentary of him. You did I, before yeah. you kind of added the little jab to it. You kind of said something really nice about him, right? Yeah, yeah. and if that's as a reporter, that's the question. So well, I yeah. don't think it I was mean, wrong to ask. Th- this is where I was going with the question, which is, do you like? Has he earned preferential treatment? Because I think he has. I have no problem with a fighter getting preferential treatment. Like, I always equate booking a a UFC card, a pay-per-view, to booking a music festival. Yeah. Like, if you two are unable to get into Nevada, you can move the festival to California and tell people to drive another four hours because you two is the draw. It's the draw, yeah. If they're your big draw and you've got a festival, it's a one-day festival, and they're the big, they're the, the hot ticket... Let's say Bono had a DUI in Nevada. He never went to court. You can do it in California, and not you know face the ramifications. Yeah. Then you move the you move the festival to California. Yeah. So, I think that Jones is one of the very few. And I mean, if you look at the numbers that have been reported from Wrestling Observer, seven hundred thousand. It's the second pay per view, the second highest uh, buy rate of the year by a large margin. The next mm-hmm. one behind it is three hundred eighty thousand, nearly half. Yeah. So that goes to show me that you know I mean I He's think a lot of people will point the cyborg as well, but I mean Jones is a big draw, and he's, he's worth moving a card for. Yeah. And that's, that's what I was going to get at. I was going to say, I think you do get preferential treatment. That's when he cut me off. Yeah. And I was going to say, but I th- my next thing yeah, I was going to yeah, say yeah, is, yeah. but I think you've earned that because you're, you're one of three or four superstars in the sport that warrant moving a card. But did he think journalists weren't going to ask him this type of question? Like, I mean, well, here's, here's the problem with Jones this week, that week, and you saw what happened with him and the female reporter um, from Sweden during the press conference. Mm-hmm. He's got a microscope on him that week. Yeah, like very sure. few for other sure. athletes will ever have on them. Yeah. So I think that when you act that way, you're showing very, very little self-awareness. Yeah. Like you've got to know that doing something like that when you've already got eyes on you is not a good move. No, <laughs> like it makes you look guilty look, makes to you begin look ba- Yeah, it yeah. makes you look bad optically. Yeah. So I don't know who it, you know, I, th- I think somebody should have pulled him aside. And he's got a really good publicist, Denise White, who's been around the block many times uh, as a publicist for many different uh, football players and, and other athletes, very, very big name ones that should say to him, like, listen, you, you got to, you know, you got to keep it clean this week. You got to yeah. keep your image up. You got your image is important this week. People are pointing fingers at you. And, and if you if you know in your heart of hearts that you didn't do anything wrong, you've got to be a choir boy this week yeah. and because even- every little thing he does turns people against him more. And even though I don't think he cares, yeah, it did, it from didn't a seem brand perspective, you've got to look at You have to at least pretend yeah, to care. Yeah, exactly. And I know a lot of the other fighters were pissed because when they got put on that plane to go to California, apparently Jones was, like, dancing on the plane and he was doing, like... Well, he wasn't self-awareness, really, like yeah, I said. Yeah. He wasn't really, like, being respectful to the other fighters who were like, I just had to move my family. I had to move, like... It was a lot of stress on a lot of these fighters. And... Fight week for fighters is very psychological, very mental, and everything is in routine. Everything goes by plan. Like, even to me, like, I got to go on a plane again. Who knows if I'm going to start holding water now because even that little short plane ride might play with my mind. Oh, my God, the hotel room's different. Uh, I don't have, you know, this pre-ritual that I have to. It messes with a lot of fighters fight week. So a lot of fighters had extra anxiety, extra stress, and to see that, I didn't love that, to hear stories like that. And you can explain this from a fighter's standpoint. When 
you go into fight week, you're hoping everything goes like oh, a well-oiled machine. So, yeah. Any little slip you're up can throw things off. You're nervous about your diet. You're stressed out. You got extra anxiety. Like there's all these things you have to do, especially if you're a newer fighter into the organization. Yeah, it, it's not easy. And also during the a holiday week, you're trying to block that stuff out too. Yeah. Like you're trying, you've got to block yeah. out the fact that it's Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Like you can't be distracted by. As guys are yeah. probably bringing their family along 100%. because of it, and yeah. now they're moving the family, and it's stressful. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's very stressful. So, um, but no, it's a money game. It's, we don't care about people. Yeah, feeling and I in think this that sport. from a money perspective, they did well because I think that 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 week in particular, it's New Year's. Like it's everybody's home for the holidays. If you're watching ESPN, and a lot of people are, and on every edition of Sports Center, it's, oh, it's moving to California, moving to California. Oh, John Jones. Oh, here's, yeah, now you here, watch here's what he's got to say. It's yeah. like, okay, well, who is this John Jones? Let me find out more information about, oh, I'm interested. I'm, I'm home anyways. I may yeah. as well order this. I can invite some friends over. Everybody's off work. Yeah. It's good for them. It's good for them from an advertising standpoint. I mean, I think that part is pretty overlooked in terms of the collateral damage being worth moving that card. And they ended up doing well at the gate. I mean, they lost $2 million, according to Dana White, even though they sold it out in L.A., but the fact that they had a sellout with tickets that went on sale yeah. days before the event is that's not you know nothing to shake a stick yeah. at. And I mean, you got to think about all the extra work that the even the staff of the UFC had to do to make all those changes 100%. from the hotel to flights to well, just working. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the staff have Christmas off; like they aren't expected to do any work on Christmas. Yeah. You get time with your, your family, and that gets thrown out the window when you're moving a car. <laughs> a lot of the staff that I spoke to didn't get a chance to celebrate. They're, yeah, they're doing crazy. Christmas after. The events. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. crazy. There's a lot at stake yeah. for them when to move a, that card. When you're the biggest guy in the sport, what are you yeah. going to do, right? Yeah. But that's what I was trying to say to John. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's yeah. the part that kind of got lost in translation yeah. with him. And you just he just killed he, his vibe, Aaron. Yeah, I killed his vibe. But he did come and apologize Kendrick to me Lombardo. afterwards. He came up Kendrick to me afterwards Lombardo. and said, you know what? He goes, I, he goes, listen, I gave you a funny clip. Put it out there. People are either that's what he think, said? Yeah. People are either going to think that I'm the bad guy or that you're the bad guy. Let's like, just do it. You know, let's let what bygones was the, be God, bygones. What was and, the response from uh, people? Oh, horrendous towards him. They were like, oh, oh what, a, what a beep, I, what a beep, I, beep, I beep. actually had a lot of sympathy for him from reading the comments because I'm like, wow, this guy has to deal with his every... Like, if this guy looks at really, his mentions yeah. every day, he's going to want to just get off social media because yeah. people are, are, like, borderline evil in some of their responses. Like, it's hard. Somebody said that I hope he gets poisoned. Yeah. I'm like, really? <laughs> like, because he walked off an interview or because you think he might have done... If anyone should be mad, it should be me, and I don't want to poison him. Yeah, like, exactly. You know? I, and I wasn't mad. I mean, maybe this kind leg of stuff, kick him or give him a nice stuff body seems to shot to me or pretty something. Free. I don't know if it's because I'm doing my job, but this kind yeah. of thing seems to happen to me pretty frequently. People get mad at me for whatever reason, but I, I'm not doing it. I'm not asking him anything no, but I don't a- know. offensive. I told you what made you really good, and I've said it really. You are not scared to ask the questions. No, I don't. You're care. not. You're not scared to ask the questions that a lot of journalists like. If they're going to ask the question, they'll fluff around it. They try, but you get right to it, and I think that's what makes you a strong journalist in my eyes. Well, I always say that my interviewing technique is very, very, very simple. Yeah. And people always, when they ask me, you know, what, why do you, you know, how, what's your technique or what, what's, what are your thoughts going into an interview? It's very cut and dry, cut and paste. Yeah. I want to ask them something that I don't know the answer to yeah. and that I want to hear them give me the yeah. answer to. Yeah. I don't care about, oh, how's your fight week going? That you've heard a million times yeah. from everybody else. If, if there's something about their fight week, if I say to them, listen, you've never cut to 125 before, TJ. Um, what have you had to do to change the way you've gone about your life for the last month in order to make sure that you're going to, you know, that kind of question with, yeah. with depth yeah. is important. Yeah. But there are a lot of people that come out and, and they go to the press conference and say, Oh, you know, well, tell us about uh, cutting to 125. I think I think the reporters, like, even when I watch the post-fight conference, like, they just, 
I think some journalists just want to hear their voice. Like the guy just two minutes ago asked the same question. Yeah. Um, uh, who do you think you'd want to fight next? The guy two minutes ago just asked the same question. Like, I mean, they're repetitive questions. I mean, in one month, you had the Oscar De La Hoya and the John Jones. So. The who do you want to face next question is the hardest one because it's like a 50-50 split. It might, might even be 60-40 of people that say, oh, I just want to go home and relax. Yeah. And 40% that are like, I want to fight this guy. Yeah, yeah. So you almost have to ask it because you want to get, you want to find out what's, what, what's on their mind. My pre-fight interview is the best. Uh, when I just stopped asking fighters this, uh, so how do you think the fight's going to go? Like, how do you think they're going to answer that? Are they going to say they're going to lose? I think once in my whole time, you got to think how many glory cards I've called now and how many interviews I've pre-fight interviews I've had. One guy goes the first time I've heard one guy, well, you know what? I, I think he's got, I think he might win. I think he might win, but I think I got a good chance. I was like, he actually said yeah. something, but usually I'm going to win. How do you think you're going to win? How, of course you're going to think knockout, you're going to win. Yeah. You're going to think yeah. you're going to win by knockout. <laughs> of course. Stop asking those types of questions. So I stopped even asking them. Yeah. Well, or yeah. like, how, how do you think you're going to win? What is the game plan? They're not going to tell you the game plan. Yeah, of course. I got one, one glory uh, event. One, they were just being like, oh, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. I can't tell you. And I was like, listen. I'm asking because it's conversation. I said, do you want to know? I have the game plan for you here. <laughs> and I pulled up my nose. I said, you should establish your distance. you got to really time his low <laughs> kick off of the jab. And then when you attack, you got to attack in combinations. Create angles, especially go to the left because he drops his hands. Boom. And I was like, they look at him and say, I know what the answer is. So stop pretending like it's this top secret thing. Yeah, of course. You know, I'm, I'm just creating conversation. Yeah, and, and you're not publishing this information. No, it's, I'm just it's talking a private conversation. to create yeah. conversation. This guy's got good low I mean, kick. Ask, How are you attacking that? They're, they're not going to tell me oh, anything. Oh, don't worry. I, I got them. something special. I was yeah. like, okay, talk to me. I'm a, an ex-fighter. I watched this guy. I studied it. Like, I guess it's a trust issue that I'm going to go. But still, like, it's just dumb questions sometimes. So kudos to you, Aaron. I do the best I can. But like you said, I that's honestly my mantra going into an interview is I want to ask them the questions that I want the answers to. Yeah. And I had a really good interview with Uriah Hall after his uh his win. He was talking about his sister's depression and about basically like he's about considering himself a failure. Yeah. And I, I said to the guy, I go, like, listen, you're like when you were fifteen, you were playing Tekken and had dreams of becoming a martial artist, and like you're in the the, the top level in the world of athletes in this particular profession, like you're the opposite of a failure. Yeah. A failure is somebody who never gets here. You've gotten here in one fight. So you've beaten like Musasi. You're the only guy to ever knock out Gegard Musasi. Yeah, like, yeah. And he thinks of himself as a failure a lot of the time. Yeah, it's and, hard. And that's the crazy thing about the but, recency but at the effect, same time, right? if you talk to people about Uriah Hall and say, what, what, what do you think of Uriah Hall's career from what you thought he was going to be after the Ultimate Fighter? A lot of people would say it was disappointing. Yeah. So, th- so there I, are, I, I, there are I, I, two sides I'd to that story. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, but you can't call someone a failure you're in the ufc like i think retrospect when he looks back he'll be like okay look what i've done look what i've accomplished only few have done it. and he's you know probably he's up there with probably the most some of the most fights in the ufc i would have to say but, but think about this how many fighters after a win are going to tell you that sometimes they think of themselves as a failure like it's yeah. very like he was very candid with me and i appreciate that and that's yeah. but again that's uh, rare. that's rare, because rare. you're asking the right questions you're yeah. conversing with them and having a good conversation with them yeah. we were talking about the impo- like an imposter complex as well do you know about imposter complex Mm-mm. so an imposter complex basically is when you're achieving success okay. you think to yourself that you you're not worthy of it or that you didn't really like you're basically falling into it by luck or you're achieving yeah. it like that you're basically an imposter that you're 
Okay, yeah, you, yeah I get what you're, you're saying. You're yeah, faking yeah. your way to it's the perception it be of you. being humble as well, you yeah. know? It's but part of it. I was saying to him that, like, a lot of fighters and athletes have an imposter complex where they feel like, oh, I don't know how I got here. I, I don't belong here. I don't, I not, I'm not good enough to be here. Yeah. And that's something that people in all professions have. A lot yeah. of people that, even myself, when I'm doing reporting, sometimes I think to myself, like, how did I like? How did I get here? What am I doing here? Like yeah. it happens sometimes. It's just yeah, it's, it's just part of your mentality. And I mean, and and it, the problem is with two. Like you can get there, and your whole life you thought about being in the UFC. And you're like it's going to be the best. My life's going to be better. I'm going to ha- I'm going to drive a Ferrari. I'm going to have a mansion. I'm going to have all these women and popularity and parties. And then sometimes you get there, and it's not what you created in this image. And then when you get there, like oh, this wasn't as cool as I thought. And then it could a lot of fighters get depression through that. It yeah. not being what they expected it to be their whole life. Well, Weidman, I'm sure you heard the interview with Ariel where he said after he won the belt, he got home and like looked in the mirror and just didn't feel complete. Like he just was like, okay, yeah, and that's all he wanted to achieve his whole life. Yeah, and then UFC you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was what that was one of the biggest struggles with mine is because when I won my world title, I had my concussion right away. Yeah, so I never had that time to enjoy the title. I was right into concussion, you know, uh, post concussion stuff. So I never really got to enjoy it as much. It wasn't until I got over the concussion stuff that I was like, man, I, I really accomplished it, you mm-hmm. know? So, I mean, it, it's a tough time in the sport. And, and by that point, you were on the verge of retiring. You yeah. had already yeah, retired. Yeah, and at that point, it was stressful, a lot of depression and toughness and, and that way. But um, it's hard. It's not, an easy, it's not an easy sport. And, I mean, I think just the more we know, the more we, we learn and the more guys open up, it's just, it's, just an ama- it's, it's amazing and scary at the same time. It is a crazy like covering yeah, it's combat crazy. sports is crazy. That's what I'm saying. I it's think about beautiful it all the time. and crazy at the same time. I try to tell someone it's like they're like, well, "What is it?" I'm like, I, "It's it's the most beautiful thing in the world, and it's the dumbest thing in the yeah. world at the same time." <laughs> yeah, you're you know? right. They're like, they're like, "What do you mean?" I was like, "It's dumb. Take my martial arts side out of it. It's dumb." Two guys hitting each other barbarically, but then when I put my martial arts side, I'm like, look what they're doing. Yeah, the artistry. The, the yeah. artistry of it. I was like, it's because, I mean, I get when people look at it and think it's stupid, it's crazy. What are you guys doing? But then it's just a beautiful thing, and that's what makes it that much more beautiful. I've always said that the UFC's biggest impediment to success like global success, and they have global success. I mean, they're popular in every country in the world, and I think that's why this sport has gotten so big, or at least the UFC as a promotion has gotten so big, is that it's reached so many different parts of the world, whereas soccer is really popular in some yeah, parts yeah. and basketball's Everywhere. So the, like, the UFC and combat sports is popular worldwide, but the thing that I think is the biggest impediment to them having bigger success is people that watch it for the first time and they can't get through it. They're just like, I can't watch this. Yeah, it's, it's too violent. violent. It's, it's too, too violent. Yeah. So that's... What I think is the like the biggest issue with making people understand the beauty and the artistry of the sport and the strategy of the sport because yeah. they can't get past the first two minutes of the first thing they're watching. Yeah, but I mean, and it, that's why people, if you say, "Oh, I cover," you know, "I cover the UFC," they're like, "Oh," and yeah. they cringe sometimes. Yeah, but I mean, I, I think I brought it up on the last time we're talking is is hockey. You watch a hockey game; the only time the whole stadium is standing is when yeah. there's a fight. <laughs> if one side scores half of the the arena is up the other Mm -hmm. side the other half's up that the only time the whole place is cheering chanting going up is when there's a fight yeah so i mean it's the popular thing still it's 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 innate in us in in some way like i mean i mentioned last time i was at a kid's school you know elementary school marley's game dead quiet no one was even watching the game as soon as they saw two guys shuffle i saw four-year-old kids fight 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 (laughs) everyone's cheering fight that yeah. was the whole time. The, all the kids, the staff, the teachers, everybody was up and cheering. I mean, even from a young age, we want to see guys fight. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, my, my my two year old hit my wife yesterday because we were having a pillow fight. My me and my yeah. two sons were having a pillow fight, and then my wife walks into the room. My two year old hits her. Yeah, it's, it's just like, like it's that, a nay. That's, for whatever reason, that's like the thought process is like yeah. I'm gonna go hit this person yeah. now. No, it's the, you're gonna get in trouble because you're I watching too much trouble. UFC at home. That's no. The well, my my kids don't watch UFC. Yeah. If there's a UFC commercial on, I change it. And my yeah, wife, yeah. my fair. wife has seen maybe five minutes of like she can't get. She's one she's of those really, people that eh? can't get through it. Cannot get through it. The only fight that she enjoyed watching. That where she got to watch a couple minutes of it Joseph was Valtellini no, stuff. I'll tell you oh, what it is on. because it's considered one of the worst fights in UFC history. It's a Talis Latus versus Anderson Silva. Oh, the one nothing. I was there live on that one. You were I, in Abu Dhabi? Is that, that no? That that, one I was? thought that one was, or that in, was Montreal. Uh, Montreal. I went yeah, to Montreal, Montreal for that one. Yeah. So she she was watching it and she's like, "Why is that this guy is lying nice. on his back? Why yeah. is this guy?" But and I was explaining she's because there's, because there's no like at that point blood or striking and. She was like interested in why why this guy was standing, why that guy was lying down, and why the other person was trying to get the guy to come to the ground with him, and that one yeah. wouldn't engage. And I had to explain it to her. And then he, she sees Anderson Silva with the theatrics and all that, and she's like, "This is kind of interesting." But then as soon as she watches any other fight where it's like, like yeah, yeah. where there's actual like action, <laughs> she yeah. she can't get through it. Yeah, that's fair. I get it. I mean, yeah, but that, again, that's what I think is the biggest impediment for like for like a widespread audience really gravitating towards the sport. Yeah, it's it's. I don't know. It's it's getting becoming more acceptable. Well, yeah. I mean, there's commercials. But, like I said, they, yeah. there's commercials where you see people getting knocked out on like in between. But look, it's everything. Ba- basketball like, game. Our quarters. most popular video games are surrounded by you know extreme violence. Our rap songs are all violence. I mean, we're we're attracted to violence. I mean, sex and violence. Our best advertisements are probably ones that have you know naked men and women and. You know, lots of violence. It's what we're attracted to. So. Well, yeah, I guess so. I mean, they do <laughs> studies on this kind of stuff, yeah. right? Um, That's it. So Amanda Nunes looked phenomenal Amazing. in the 50 Amazing. seconds of uh, her cyborg fight. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, that's how I thought it was going to go. I didn't think it was going to end that quickly, but I thought Nunes was going to win. I, I just felt that Cyborg hasn't had anybody challenge her for years and years and years. Is, right? it, is it Cyborg um, not really going to game plan, or do you think that's just the Cyborg we know? Well, I think Cyborg's instant reaction to getting hit is throwing the game plan out the window. Yeah, I just think that, I just think that in her mind, she thinks she is the absolute toughest woman on the planet, and there's evidence that would have supported that yeah, up yeah. until the moment that she got finished. That she was the the that you if you want to strike with Cyborg, yeah. you can't bring it me. on. Yeah, even if you do, you're going to get knocked out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Nunez afterwards told me that Cyborg's punches didn't hurt her. Yeah, yeah. I'm like none of them oh, landed like, too wow. flush, but like, yeah, it was just amateurish on Cyborg to come out like that, though. Well, her coach has been saying the same. Like Jason Pearl has been saying, basically, she didn't stick to the game plan. Yeah, she, we, this is what he, we told her not to do. She but, was boxing with Clarissa Shields. Yeah, you know, and and Clarissa Shields even said in an interview, like it's nothing that she worked at. Like mm-hmm. when we were sparring, she was sitting behind a jab. You know, like nothing. She just yeah. went out. Vitor Beltort style. But like in her mind, saying. she's like, I spar with Clarissa Shields. I did Muay Thai and hung with Jarena Bars, who's yeah. one of the best in the what absolute. What are you going to do? Yeah, yeah, like, how, is, how are you, who's 10 yeah. pounds? Which is the confidence you do need, which is positive. For right? sure. But I think that by the, by the time she had rationalized this in her head, she was getting pelted. Yeah, at that point, it's too late. Yeah, at that point, going. it's too late. And she, you, you, you just keep fighting you, back because you think you there's no way the, this person's going to finish. You can't take the fighter out of someone. You can try. Yeah. You can try to make them a technical fighter. Some guys and some women are just going to fight. Strategy goes out the window sometimes. Like, yeah. that's just how it, how it is. Yeah. Like, I don't think that. And I spoke to Nunez's uh, coach afterwards, uh, Conan Silvera. Which, which I did after the Shevchenko fight also. And I said, like, I said to him, I go, that couldn't have been the strategy. And he goes, well, this is what he said to me. He goes, the strategy is fluid. 
goes, if this is what she's doing, this is our strategy. Yeah. If she this is what forward, she's doing, we'll yeah, this is our yeah. strategy. So he goes, she, he goes, that wasn't exactly what we had game planned for, but in that situation, that was one of the strategies that we had. Yeah. You know, and so that, that's, that, that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. But because the problem is, and this is saying it as a coach, as, as a fighter, there, you should not really go in with a concrete game plan. I don't like the word game plan because things change, things happen. As a good fighter and as a good coach, your fighter should be training all year round. And all year round, you do it in little blocks. In this training blocks, okay, you don't have a fight now. Let's work on our just strictly our boxing. Then let's work strictly on our Muay Thai kicking game. Let's work on our counters. So you, you work everything. So when... The fighter goes out. He expresses himself the way they want. But, hey, now they're getting aggressive. Let's start using our movement now. They have the toolkit to be able to adjust and adapt, and you can talk. But you let them express themselves, and then you let them adapt to it. But, I mean, when the fighter goes in, they're stubborn, and they, that fighter mentality comes out. That's it. And you'll you can't hear this, stop it. You'll hear this later on in the show when we speak to Alexander Hernandez. Like He has tunnel vision. Where year round he is a fighter, and that's how he got into the UFC. Like he was just training year round, and he, they got the call. He had just he had a fight lined he up, I guess, it. a month later, two, you know. And basically, he comes in. Their thought process is like, we're gonna come. He goes, I didn't watch any tape because it was six days out. I don't want to overthink things. I just wanted to be me. And yep. he came out, and now we see where he's at, where he's at. But this kid, if you watch his videos on YouTube, it's just like it's his lead up to the fight. And I go, I said to him, I go, I mentioned the. This to him, and you'll hear this again later on in the interview. But I said, you know, I watched your uh, road to the road to Brooklyn videos, and I go, the one thing that he goes, oh, what do you think? I go, well, the one thing that's missing is like we don't get to see your personality outside of like outside of training. He goes, there isn't, there is nothing. There is he goes, none. He goes, all I do is I train in the morning, I go home, I take a, my rest, yeah. and I go back at night. That's what people. And don't that's understand. like that's what the videos are. It's just him, him yep. working out around the clock, doing all kinds of different things, and yeah. But that's that's why with retirement gets hard with fighters because they don't know anything outside of the fighting game. Yeah. You have to be absorbed. Well, he in was it. he was actually on the verge of becoming like a mortgage broker or something, and yeah. he just threw that out the window. Like when once once he decided he wanted to be in the UFC, he was like, okay, well, I got to just focus on this strictly. Yeah. yeah, you need that tunnel vision. I'm telling you, and that's why it scares me when people start having babies and start getting married, and even with fighters and girlfriends, that's hard to be a fighter to work and have a girlfriend. It's hard, and, and fighters, the people that never understood, I was like, you can't. You got to be that selfish where if you want to be a world champ, like I, I don't like, I mean, you have to, unless you're just the exception, but it's hard to, to give someone else, you know, attention when you just left it all in training, you're exhausted, you're cutting weight, you're eating, you got to wake up early in the morning to do your double training session. You got to be selfish. So then, then you add kids to that situation, a wife, you're kind of focused. That killer instinct can come out of you in a lot of guys. So that scares me a lot when that focus isn't there in fighters. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one, one question I asked Jones, I think I asked it too, and I can't remember, but I feel like he might have taken exception to this one too, was I said, do you, do you thrive on conflict in your life? Do you, like, if things are boring in your life, is that bad for you? Like, do you, do you almost need things to be a little bit complicated in order to thrive? I don't know if he liked that question, but I thought that yeah. that was a, a good question to ask him because it seems like there's just always something going on with this guy, and he he's always able it. to just overcome it. Like, yeah. he's just able to keep pushing through, and his skill is able to take him to you know, the highest of high, um, you know, in, in terms of the sport, like the yeah. highest level, even though he's got so much stuff always going, circling around him. I feel like yeah, maybe he know. thrives on the chaos. I guess everyone's different. I, I wouldn't be able to handle that kind of style. Yeah. I need that Hernandez style where I'm just, yeah, you need the reps, I need the, <laughs> yeah. the, reps the focus. The, mm -hmm. So I can't really speak for him because I don't work that way. 
But I know a lot of fighters who are that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, they still like that partying. But I think that's not as much as it used to be. I think back in the day, we used to see it more of a, a culture of partying and that kind of like crazy lifestyle. I don't think it's as bad. Because, I mean, I used to hear stories from the fighters who used to fight in Japan. And, and that it used to be crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. I don't think it's like that anymore. And I mean, even the culture of hockey. Hockey used to be drinking all day. The guys used to drink on the ice. The game day, they were drinking and getting drunk on game day. So I mean, I think just think it's more athletic now. So it's not really like that as much, but Mm -hmm. you still have them. And you heard Dean Thomas on uh, Rogan, if, if you didn't have a chance to listen to it. He talked about Amanda Nunes and the fact that they just let her go. Like he yeah. said that they tried to overcoach her and yeah. that was bad for her. And yeah. they, now they just let her go. They, That's good coaching, yeah. though. That's good coaching. And she's like a hyperactive person. Like her mind is going a million places yeah. at once. She needs to feel in control, yeah. which is important. Some people have that. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's interesting. You've got to cater uh, to you know on a person by person basis. It's yeah. Pretty interesting. And I like what he said was. Um, he classifies his fighters in different types of classes. He goes, you got that fighter where it's like the the Mike Perry, he used the example, where he just wants to fight. He's in there. He's in, he's scrappy. So you let them go and just bang out on the bag. Then you have the, like the artist who comes in, lets them play. They don't want to put those hard grinding rounds. They want to learn a little bit more technically. Um, so, yeah, it's it's interesting how he, he kind of divides his fighters. Um, Kamaru Usman, he's got the next uh, welterweight title shot, UFC 235 against um, Tyron Woodley. So this is an interesting one because, by all accounts, Colby Covington probably should have been the next in line. He had the interim title. He has the yep. same two victories in a row that Usman has over Maya and uh, Rafael Dos Anjos. Usman beat them after Covington won, so Usman somehow gets the shot. But um, what, do you, I mean, what are your thoughts on, on that, on him leapfrogging Colby Covington for that shot? I just don't think we know what really happened with Colby in the UFC. There's no, they had to have offered him. So there must well, have I can been tell you something. What happened. Okay. What happened was in January they're trying to save UFC 233, and they wanted him for March or something. No, right? they wanted they wanted um, Colby, from what I've heard, to fight Usman. They they said we want like Woodley says he's injured, he's not going to fight in January. And he said no because he wants Woodley. Yeah, we want we yeah. want you to fight Usman for an interim title. And he said no. And he said no. He goes, I've already won an interim title. You've already taken that away from me. Why would I fight for another interim title when the fight to make is me and Woodley? We've got all this heat, this beef generated. We've got all this stuff. And he was like, I'm not taking a fight outside of Woodley. And they said, okay, well, Usman's willing to fight anybody, so he's next. He's next. Okay. So from a, they did it as strictly as a business move. And I also think, and this is just my opinion, I think that they feel Usman's got a better chance to beat Woodley. And it seems to me that they don't love dealing with Tyron Woodley and the yeah, fact yeah. that Tyron Woodley isn't available at their beck and call, yeah. which I think is pretty unfair to Woodley considering that what the welterweight belt has been defended more yeah. than any other belt in the last two years for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I've, it's stupid, and, and and just hearing from a lot of the journalists and, and people in the community, um, Colby turned from the bad guy to the now the victim in this whole situation, it seems. Well, from the responses I've seen on Twitter, that's hardly the case. Is it, it seems like people just still hate the still guy. Still hate the guy? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I kind of felt bad for him. There's part of me that was like, yeah, he should have got it, you know. Um, he does deserve it, so... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think he deserves it too. I think that that, that is Kamara that doing was, well. Yeah, I also absolutely. thought that from a promotional standpoint, it's a better fight to make too. You but just it, the lead I, up I don't. Better. I don't mind the UFC's thought on putting you know Kamaro versus Colby, and then the winner gets. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that should be a number one contender fight. I don't mind that. I think that's a great fight too, for sure. But Covington. I think, earned his I think he's earned the shot. They offered him that. When and they now, gave him the interim, they said him, they now would they're get saying the they wanted shot. to fight Darren Till in London. Yeah. And they're saying, but Covington's saying, I'm not fighting for less than championship money. I won the interim title in my last fight. Yeah. You know, you guys are basically screwing me around. And yeah. that, I well, know. I mean, that could work in two ways for him. 
one, they say, okay, get out of here then. Or yeah. because they say that the division, there's a lot of contenders. It's getting stacked. You know, Ben Askren in the in the picture. Maybe we don't need him anymore. We got another. We have the good wrestler in the division, right? So it could either screw him or work in his favor. Yeah, or so, we say, listen, Till's going to headline in London. We'll just find him an opponent. He's the draw in London. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Covington uh, isn't going to sell any tickets in But my, in my understanding that Till was supposed to go to middleweight now. He said he was going to, um, and he still might. I, I they haven't made a fight for him, but I think if you say to Till, "Listen, we're going to give you Covington. You're going to be like the number one ranked guy if you win this fight, or number two ranked guy." It's like, okay, well, I'm yeah. back in the mix if I get a win here. He probably wants the one against Tyron back. He landed zero strikes over the course of the fight. Yeah, yeah, which is crazy. It's one of the most lopsided title fights ever. Yeah, yeah, for sure he does. I mean, I think it's uh, a faster. No, I mean, I think he would do well in the middleweight. The more I think about it, I think in, in middleweight's perfect for him. I think it's easier way to the title for him. Yeah. Well, think about this. I think I don't know if that's this is for certain, but I think that Jose Aldo landed more strikes against Conor McGregor than uh, than Till landed with, against uh, against Woodley over the course of a round and a half in like the 13 seconds that Aldo. Yeah, that was. I think was. he landed like a leg kick at the beginning, if I'm not mistaken. One more, yeah. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> kind of strange. Yeah, but uh, I still think that Darren, like Darren Till, it's weird. When enough time passes, it feels like fighters that have momentum get completely forgotten. Oh, like, Darren sure. Till was like a sensation. Oh, yeah. He was the next big thing. And now he suffers a, b- a bad loss, and nobody talks about him anymore. Yep. It seems crazy to me that uh, that's how things are. Like, that it's, a, it's such a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately what culture. Yeah. And there are other fighters, like, like um, what's the guy's name? I can't even remember. Sean O'Malley. <laughs> See, he got yeah, a six-month yeah, yeah, suspension from USADA. He was, and like, then on we top haven't of heard world. of him at all. Yeah, Mackenzie Dern, nobody was talking about up until this week when Ariel tweeted that she's going to stay at Strawweight. Like, people just forget. Yeah, yeah. She's, like, yeah, the top, one of the top prospects at Strawway, yeah. but then new top uh, prospects come along. Yeah, those are good examples. Uh, yeah, I was trying to think of some. Those are good ones. Yeah, and there there are others that I'm trying to think of off the top of my head that yeah, I, I probably can't think of because they haven't like they just yeah, haven't they, been active. Haven't, yeah, it's just a lot of fighters on the roster. That's where you, as a brand, uh, have to make yourself relevant in between fights somehow. I mean, that's where Connor does a good job at it. He's always doing something. Connor McGregor never fights, but you always hear about him. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, but find I something. mean, Connor's such an anomaly, though. He's yeah. such an enigma in this sport. But I mean, that's the the gold standard we try to accomplish yeah. to be at, right? For sure. And I mean, Brock Lesnar too. But Brock Lesnar Brock, also yeah. a wrestling champ, like a WWE champion. So yeah, yeah, yeah. he's still in the still uh, in, in the that, forefront, that yeah. upper elite. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. So that's what's happening at uh, two thirty five, and there's a lot of other fights happening at UFC two thirty five. This is just a stack stack card. And I was saying this to you. I don't know if I said this as part of the show. Um, but I'm interested to see what kind of a buy rate this does because if Jones um, and Gustafson, as well as Cyborg and Nunes, did the 700,000, again, according to reports, what's something the caliber of this card going to do? You've got Jones and Smith as the headliner. You've got Woodley and Usman. You've got Ben Askren's debut against Robbie Lawler. You've got Z- uh, Zabit against Jeremy Stevens. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a heck crazy. of a fight. Holly Holm against uh, Aspen Ladd. Um, Cody Garbrandt's on the card reportedly as yeah, well against Pedro, Pedro Munoz. Munoz yeah. like, uh, Whaley Zhang was a really good uh, prospect fighting Tisha Torres. Like We've got a lot of good matchups here, um, and I'm interested to see what how this sells. Yeah, it's stacked, so yeah. hopefully well. Well, here's the thing that I, that I think is uh, also pretty interesting right now, is if you look at uh, UFC 237, they're targeting doing it in Curitiba in a stadium. But if you're going to do it in Curitiba in the stadium, you need to have like the top Brazilian fighters on the card. Yeah, and yeah. if you look at the card they've got in Bra- in Brazil in uh, 
in February, beginning of February, which you could still turn it around two months later and and go. But you've got Maya on that card. You've got Marlon Moraes. You've got Asuncao. You've got Jose Aldo. Um, you've got uh, Johnny Walker on that card. Like a lot of these really good Brazilian fighters on this card. So Charles how Oliveira. Are you put them on? So yeah, how do you get them on that card? Um, to me, this is here are the fights that I think. Um, might happen. You might have a cyborg Nunes rematch, which I think would be huge in Brazil. Yeah. Do you think that is the fight that should be next? They said that they said they don't want to make that next. Yeah. But that's who, what I've been hearing. Who else are you going to put? I mean, if Holly Holm is fighting, division, at, if the... Holly's fighting at two thirty-five, who's fighting Nunes on that card? That's going to draw people. Yeah. I don't know. Um, there was another really good one I thought of uh, recently that I think would uh, would move the needle in terms of uh, Brazilian fighters. But I think um, you got to look at Anderson Silva. Like Anderson Silva, if he wins. But again, that's like two months prior. If you yeah, if yeah. he ends up beating Israel, like Curitiba is where he's from, yeah, you have yeah. a title fight in the stadium in Curitiba against the winner of Gastelum versus uh, uh, Whitaker. That that's a huge sell. Um, you've got Andrade already competing on that card, so that's interesting. Um, they, they're looking at Santiago Ponzinibbio against RDA. There was something that because Aldo's booked against um, yeah against Moicano, and that's another Brazilian, right? Yeah. I had a really good idea for that card, and now I'm forgetting what it was. Which it was a certain title fight. Oh, it was uh, Barboza versus Gaethje. That's fun. Like that would be a great yeah. fight to have on that Brazil card. Yeah, in a stadium. Imagine how loud the stadium would get for a fight like that. Yeah, yeah. That was the one I was thinking. Nothing's of. with Gaethje right now. No, nothing with Gaethje. Yeah. Gaethje's trying to fight Ayakinta, but I think that yeah, they're so. trying to make Barboza versus Gaethje happen because that fight would just be insane. That would just be crazy. So I think that that's what they're probably going to try to do. And in Brazil. Uh, what about um, uh, who was it? Um, Pettis against who? Um, Pettis is Wonder Boy. So Pettis Wonder Boy, yeah. Matter in Brazil. Yeah, that doesn't that matter. But I remember hearing that. So you try to think of the top Brazilians in the organization. Like right now, I think it's Cyborg and Nunes probably. Yeah. Well, I mean, makes sense. But uh, well, another one they could do also is if Moicano wins in February, you have him versus Holloway. Yeah. They're not going to do Aldo against Holloway again, but Moicano mm. versus Moicano, Holloway would make yeah. a lot of sense. That makes sense. So we'll see. But. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see who, how many of these people fighting in Fortaleza in February are able to turn it around because that card is like in April. Yeah. And it's quit and it's weird because with this couple of two weeks off now, was it three weeks? It would have been almost three weeks off. Then we just that's it. Boom. Yeah, you're in. First week of February, there's two weekends off until summer. Yeah, <laughs> like that's how crazy. many cards there are. Like I'm looking now and it's just nuts. Yeah. January 19th, February yes. 2nd, February 10th, February yeah, 17th, February 23rd, March 2nd, March 16th. Yeah. Every single weekend. Mm-hmm. I think it's and every weekend a, until June or, know, or April. Sorry, every the UFC until April. site's only showing until March, and it's every yeah. other. It's, it's every, everything it's every until, week. until April. It's packed, and it's kind of weird though because you're so used to that every week. And yeah, then, then like, and now you're hungry. Well, I think everybody's yeah. hungry for this Cejudo oh, yeah. versus Dillashaw fight and the first ESPN fight and seeing what that looks like. Um, what's Glory schedule like in the, the next little bit? Uh, I'm off to Houston. We have February first. Oh, so you guys, We're you're here Houston. all month. Okay, that, I'm here that's February first, nice and then I go March eighth is. Um, Strasbourg. Oh, so you've got France. like a month between events. Yeah. It was like that last year for you, and then yeah, it starts. Uh, then it yeah, starts we try to do once a month, and then near yeah. the end they try to like jam it all in just mm-hmm. to try to get as many event, uh, events as possible. But uh, yeah, I think right now we're scheduled for eleven or twelve. And you've got some news on uh, on a personal front. Yeah, in terms I'm pretty of glory. excited. Uh, yeah, resigned for two more years. There you go. So boom. Yeah, it's exciting. It's really exciting, especially that the sports growing. Um, the fights are getting better. It's just, it's just amazing to be part of, man. For sure. I mean, I've, I've called so many fights now. Uh, with Glo- I've called every single Glory fight since Glory 27. It's and it's Glory 63. Yeah. It's a lot you know of cards. I mean? There's of- no one to, to have called that many kickboxing fights. So, um, you know, as a fighter. So, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. Has this Grisham called more than you? Um, with kickboxing and Glory, no. Really? He no, has I did more. 
I've so who, done, who because he came with? in after. I, who, I've done some with Morrow. Oh, with Morrow. I, I used to do uh, some with Morrow. I used to do some with um, Ron Kruk, who does RFA. Yeah, um, yeah, I remember. With, yeah, I he does Ron. it with uh, mm-hmm. Militich. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I did it with them. I think I started twenty-seven. Todd started at thirty. I think. Wow. Okay. There or you go. Twenty-nine. Yeah. So I did more. Todd's I did, got some legwork to do. Yeah. And I I, I debuted at Glory twenty-three. Um, I did a few fights. I did a, a Grunhart fight. I did the Nikki Raymond Daniels fight, and I did some backstage. So really, I, I've done probably the most out of anyone for for Glory. There you go, and it continues. I, I mean, we've home. seen what happened with Jimmy Smith. I feel bad for the guy. Yeah. And he he raises a good point. It's like they let him go in December. They told him he's not going to come back in December, and, and by like December, everybody's got their plans ready. That's yeah. what he told Luke Thomas. It's, like, it's true. Well, but the issue with with Jimmy Smith and and there's been a, it's it, it seems to be a slight change in commentary because they're really valuing the color commentator as an ex fighter. He mentioned this. He yeah. mentioned that that was the reason. They said which we were happy me, with everything you've done. Which and, I'm happy yeah. because it's me. And I mean, and that's probably one of the reasons why it'd probably be hard for me to ever commentate for the UFC because mm-hmm. they want their fighters yeah. to do it. And this so, thing's replacing him. Yeah. So, Which kind of makes sense. Go. And then the this other thing really is backstage too. interviews tend to be female now. You look at the NFL, a lot of the infield reporters are women. You know, look at the UFC. Well, in the UFC, there's not a whole lot of backstage interviews. There are on the TV broadcast, on the but TV, in pay-per-view, not much. Yeah, but I mean, you mostly girls. You had the Megan, uh, was it Megan, Megan Olivi, uh, Heidi Andral. Yeah, the Contender Fight Series. Yeah, the girl. Uh, Laura Sanko. Yeah, there they're you really go. bad with names. I, I don't know names. <laughs> I, I don't know. You ask me anything about names? No. Names and dates. Don't ask I me. I like to do like the girl on like Laura Sanko. <laughs> yeah. Names, I'm terrible. Yeah. Names they're all very and good. dates, I'm terrible. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, with names, I'm brutal. But uh, faces, I'll never forget a face. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it tends to be women and ex fighters now. So he puts himself in a tough position. Well, and we, the problem they were saying is very similar to Rogan, right? And I mean, then you kind of have two very similar. Looks and styles, but I don't know. We'll see. I think one FC would be a good look for him. Yeah, I think so too. But again, I think that they've got their team. Like they've got a lot of people working for one championship right now, and they've got a lot of people working for Bellator right now. He used to work for Bellator. But yeah. the one I think, uh, what I would like to see him uh, do commentary for is the PFL. I think. I think. Yeah, but they got a pretty high. They have. Uh, they have Boz. Ba- they've got Randy Couture, yeah. and they've got Todd Harris. Like to have Boss Rudin is huge. I think he's great. He makes it fun. He's mm-hmm. different. Yeah, uh, and Couture's pretty Couture's good. Couture's pretty he's good. Yeah. Todd Harris, I'll reserve comment on. But let's continue. <laughs> yeah. We've got uh, champion versus champion on TSN next week. Um, that's the UFC in Brooklyn. And uh, it's, it's a solid card that just lost two really good fights. Um, Jan Kudalaba versus Glover Teixeira scrapped. And the fight that I was most looking forward to outside of the main event, which was John Lineker versus Cody Sanhagen, is uh, off the card as well. Yeah, That's too bad. <laughs> They're looking for replacements, but I, I, I'm really high on Sandhagen. That was going to be, when we're doing our pick later on, that was going to be my pick with Sandhagen. I think Sandhagen would have beaten Lineker. Sandhagen's a really, really elite striker. Not, not that Lineker's not, but uh, yeah. that would have been a fun one. Um, but uh, before we get to those picks, let's, uh, let's take a look at uh, UFC 232. Is there anything we missed, anything we, we want to touch on? You, you had, in your picks, you had Chiesa, and Chiesa had a really nice uh, win over uh, Carlos Condit. Yeah, Chiesa looked pretty good. Um, he w- I- you should have seen him backstage after he won that fight. How happy he was? He was screaming. Like, he was basically causing a scene. He was so yeah. excited. His whole family was there. It was awesome. He was so, so stoked about what, what had happened. And uh, he was actually with me when we were watching uh, Nunez versus Cyborg. They, start, they started swinging, and I, I said to him, I go, let's, let's watch this for a second yeah, <laughs> before yeah, we start talking. Pause. Let's watch this. And he was like, yeah, okay. And we watched it, and he was like, wow. Yeah, no, he's, uh, I, knew his, I knew his ground. Condit's, you know, 
that's that's always been Condis. Yeah, Condis Kryptonite's always good. been on the ground. So yeah, I picked that pretty good. You picked Andrew. You've also picked Corey Anderson, who looked pretty good against yeah. uh, Latifi. Yeah. But uh, the wrestlers, man, you can't. Volkanovski was a was a big one, man. He looks really good. Yeah, really he, good. He's in line for a title shot yeah, right now. Looked, like if, if Moicano, he's got to be rooting for Jose Aldo in in February because if Jose Aldo ends up winning that fight, he's next in line. Yeah, yeah. What about we never talked about Ryan Hall's submission, which yeah, was got was, submission cool. of the year on a lot of. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't the submission of the year, but whatever. Yeah. It's just we just saw it. Like yeah, we just recency it just effect. happened. It's the recency bias. Yeah, like there were a lot of good submissions from early in the year that I've just forgotten about. Yeah, yeah. It's too hard. And when people ask me, you know, give me your best round of the year, I'm like, how the heck yeah. do I best remember? round of the year? Do you know how many rounds we've watched? Like even if you ask me fight of the year in kickbox, and they ask me for glory, and I've watched and called every single fight. Give me your fight of the year. I like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't <laughs> remember what give happened me a list. in January. <laughs> give me a list of every fight I, yeah, this year. And let and I'll me rank look them. and let me give me a list of 10 that were good. And I'm like, oh, okay, then I could pick it. But you can't ask me on the top yeah. of my I don't have that type of autism in my brain to yeah. be able to do that. You have to be Rain Man to remember yeah, those exactly. kind of things. And I ain't Rain Man. So, but uh, when we did the... Uh, the year-end show with the, the journalists here. I give them the topics in advance because yeah, they can't so put people on can't, the spot. No, you can't. You can't put people on the spot. It's way too hard. Um, what about uh, Arlovsky? Uh, yeah, I mean, that that fight was kind of a, a nothing fight with Walt Harris. Yeah. I don't know. I, that, that fight didn't have much going for it. I, I, I thought a, it was a very close fight and not a whole lot happened. I had a good laugh at it when um, he had an interview with Hawani. Yeah. And Ariel's like, What's what's wrong with your nose? Yeah, he and he looks like, nose. what's wrong with your nose? Yeah. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, I don't know about that. I'm a little sensitive to that kind of okay. uh, dialogue. <laughs> uh, Peter Yan against uh, Douglas De- uh, Silva de Andrade was great, and Peter Yan's getting a big step up in competition, fighting John Dodson in uh, Czechoslovakia. Yep, I it saw was Czech that. Republic, not Czechoslovakia. Czechoslovakia is the former name of the country, but um, in the uh, Czech Republic. Kat Sangano's eye injury is kind of crappy. Yeah, but it's a legal strike. I mean, I I wrote it makes sense. I wrote right away. I go, this it is makes sense. and I actually spoke backstage with uh, Herb Dean was there. He was a judge that night and Goddard and him and Goddard were conversing about it and I I kind of butted in and said I go, in the rules, does it say you can't put a digit a digit in someone's eye or is it strictly the finger? And he's they 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 were like it's the finger. It says finger yeah, in the not rules. Not digit. Not digit. It goes in yeah. some commissions it says John digit. McCarthy uh, came out with a statement too kind yeah. of saying that. Yeah. Cuz you can't with the hands, you can make a fist, and they're supposed to be, so you cover the fingers. So yeah. that's an infraction. So it's a foul. Yeah. But with your toes, you can't tuck your toes. Yeah. So it's I mean, part of a kick, right? Yeah. And it's not intentional. No. So you're not really breaking. And the it leader. usually happens. Those are the worst ones because usually what, the way you slip a high kick, if you can't block with the head, is you pull your head back. Yeah. As you pull your head back, the person striking is trying to hit them with your lower shin, that foot. Right. As yeah. you pull back, that's when the toes scrape the eye, and that's it. Happens a lot. Yeah. Well, I I thought that Goddard handled it perfectly. Yeah. Chad Chad Lapreze did it to me before his fight. Oh, I tried slipping a high <laughs> kick, and his toe just grinded. And I had the whole time I was at the institute, I had this brutal black eye that had like these toe grazes. He yeah, it clipped <laughs> my eye, not poked me in the eye, but yeah. those are the ones that hurt the most. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't imagine in the middle of, like, I, I don't think Cat can recover from that. Like, I, it would be yeah. impossible to recover from that in that situation. Yeah, it just, it just sucks. I was worried because she had disguised cornea. Like, I was worried that yeah. she could It's just the wind bonus gets taken just like that over oh, yeah. something. That kind of sucks. But that's where I think the issue of the fighters is, you know. They got to fix that. But at the same time, if in Megan Anderson's eyes, she lands a head kick and wins a bonus. And wins like, a, yeah. rightfully wins a bonus, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Like if she would have connected to the temple instead of the eye, you're gonna have a similar effect, then, right? Yeah, like the fight's sure. probably over. No, I bet you if she hit if she hit the temple, she had a chance at least to recover. Yeah, at least for with sure. the eye, a much better nothing. chance. Yeah. yeah. At least like ah, if I got up, maybe I can grab her. There's a chance if she got rocked, but with the toe, you can, if you can't see, that's it. And Megan was great afterwards. She's like, well, it sucks that that's how it ended, but I won the fight, and I'll give her a rematch if she wants. But like, I I have to look out for me here. Yeah, <laughs> she's, she's right. She's gonna be a big threat, man. And, and I mean, to who the division's gonna be done? Three people. There's no division. <laughs> yeah, I mean, her only other logical fight is Cyborg again. Yeah, and Cyborg. And well, Cyborg. Cyborg's contract is up in like less than two months. Yeah, and I would not be surprised if she doesn't return. Just does like rising crazy fights yeah, or something. Well, uh, or does boxing? Or does any? I mean. And I don't mean is from a lack of interest in her coming back to the UFC, but if the UFC says, like, okay, we've gotten what we need out of Cyborg at this point, would you disagree with them? Like, she is now lost. Yeah, her her value is, is completely it's almost diminished. It's like the, the Fedor, you know, yeah, where it's like exactly. undefeated, unbeaten, and then once you lose it, yeah, okay, and you I mean, lose when, that scariness And there's a you. big difference between Ronda bouncing back from a loss and Cyborg bouncing back from a loss. Yeah. Because well, the star power is just not the same. And same I, I hate to say it. I Cyborg. Think Cyborg, um, interestingly enough, backstage, she was like smiling and upbeat. Like you would never have thought she lost the fight. She's just got such a good per- like personality, yeah. good character. Yeah. They and, were saying it's almost like she felt relieved at the, the pressure of winning and having yeah. to win and perform. Or eh, She seems like she's she a was, great she martial artist. She was like artist, hanging out with know? us afterwards. She was sitting backstage. I think she was waiting for Dana White. She wanted to talk to him before he left yeah. the arena. Like I just thought that... Uh, it was interesting to see her demeanor afterwards. And I interviewed her, and she was very forthright with me, very open with me, and I, I appreciate that from an interviewer standpoint. Yeah, no, I think good martial artist, sportswoman, you know, yeah, for That's sure, it. absolutely She's classy. And I mean, when you see that a lot, I think it's great. I mean, you know, just the classiness of, of the sport. So yeah, thanks for you know, she put some great fights, unbeatable. I mean, now we have our goat. Well, before we make our first pick for uh, UFC in Brooklyn, we're going to do a, a preview for it next week, I, I imagine. Are you around next week? Yeah, I'm good. All right, we'll figure that out um, before I leave for Brooklyn. Um, we can, uh, we're going to speak to somebody who's on that card. The aforementioned Alexander Hernandez. Man, this guy is uh, a fighter through and through. And it uh, was really great getting a chance to speak with him. He joins us now on the TSN MMA Show. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to introduce this week's guest. He has set the UFC on fire with two incredible wins to open up his UFC career, and he hopes to keep the ball rolling. UFC Fight Night on ESPN Plus, the first ever event on ESPN, and Alexander Hernandez will be in the octagon against Donald Cowboy Cerrone. So how exciting is this for you? I mean, this is the first ever ESPN card, huge platform for you against a guy that will obviously draw a lot of eyeballs. Yeah, supremely, man. I'm, I'm, super, I'm super stoked about the whole, the whole event. Um... ESPN, of course, is the uh, biggest network for sports, and so it's an honor to be able to make the debut card for that on, um, uh, yeah, that the inaugural card for UFC. And so, man, it's a it's a pleasure and honor. I'm fired up. I mean, Cowboy's been in this game for a long time. He's had he had 27 fights when you made your professional debut, uh, but he's also got a lot of miles on him. I mean, you're somebody who's only had 11 fights. A lot of them have ended in the first round. Uh, do you feel like that's a big advantage for you? Oh, absolutely. You know, people say, you know, every old dog has his day, and, and I, I plan on euthanizing Cowboy on January 19th. He's got, um, he's definitely got a lot of wear and tell, tear on his wheels, and, and me, I've always played it smart, I've always fought smart, I've always trained smart. I don't like taking damage, certainly not to the noggin, and so um, I certainly think that's always played to my advantage. Just constantly, 
evolving, trying as much as possible to lead the game and training in the sense of intelligent martial arts, you know, and, and not taking those licks even in practice as, as much as possible. But generally, you know, as long as you're fighting well, probably most of your damage even comes in just from day to day training. So we try to mitigate that as much as possible, fight smart, train smart and, and perform. Euthanizing is very, uh, very polite language. I mean, you, you said murking in another interview, so euthanizing is a little bit more humane. <laughs> yeah. uh, try to keep it genuine for Canada and admit a little bit more. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. You know, PG. A more PG, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're a very humane country, right? So we're, uh, we appreciate that. I mean, you come into the UFC, UFC 222, less than a year ago against Benil Dariush. You're in Las Vegas. You're with your team. I'm sure you go over and look at the sports book and, and see the odds. You were probably, what, a five or six to one underdog. This is a ranked fighter against somebody on, on a week, in a week, week and a half notice. Did you and your team, uh, you know, get, collect a little bit of an extra bonus uh, when you were down in Vegas that, that particular week? Oh, my boy sure did. Yeah, the, the, whole, the whole team ate that weekend. I definitely, I definitely don't bet on myself, uh, but my dad cashed out, my uncle – uh, and then the whole squadron we had there, uh, all, all my all my day one amigos that I've got since uh, since childhood, all all were out there, and they all they all made some big earnings. So it was a great night for everyone. We definitely we definitely balled out, <laughs> say the least. It was it was a great time. I mean, RFA and LFA are, are good feeder organizations for the UFC. Um, you had been around for a while in terms of professional mixed martial arts since 2012, but you were, you were kind of taking a slow approach. Now suddenly you're going to have three fights in the span of, uh, of, of a year uh, in the UFC. Uh, what's allowed you to kind of take a more um, you know, quantity-based approach to your career right now? You know, not even that this is fast-paced. I certainly wanted to fight sooner than this, but the way the cards unfolded, this was by far the best way that you know, they could have been dealt. Um, in the past... I had life circumstances. I was juggling a full-time career uh, that was extraordinarily time-consuming, and and with that, draining. And so, you know, injuries would come, and that would be from sleep deprivation, lack of recovery. Uh, I tore my bicep at the beginning of 2017. That put me out for, you know, the large portion of the year before I could line up that fight towards the end. Um, and then I had uh, just uh, 2016 before that, that last big LFA fight, leading in that one. Uh, I had taken really a step away from uh, competing, and, and I was just training. And so I kind of strayed away from the idea that I was going to be really the man I am today. And I, I had like a, a different image of myself. And uh, it just took some hurdles and maturation to kind of come to where I am today. Uh, but really, it's just, it's just now I've got undivided focus on, on one thing, one thing only. And so having that sleep, which I think is the number one factor, having the recovery and a much more intelligent fighter, I've got the most ideal group of, of men and women around me uh, in my ears, in my circle. Um, and again, we're, I, I think that we're on the most cutting edge of, of mind training, physical training, uh, health, spiritual enlightenment, you know. And so just, just being as, as plugged in and, and, and aware as I am today, um, I'm always, I'm always on my game. I'm always sharp. I don't really deal with fatigue or soreness anymore, and so I'm able to be extraordinarily active day to day. And then when fights come, I'm always ready. So again, this one was kind of a longer draw out. I was expecting to get something, you know, November December time frame of last year, but, but the way this unfolded was was by far the best case scenario. A lot of people emphasize training at bigger camps, the ATTs of the world, Jackson Wink. You train at a very small gym. 
um, in San Antonio. It's next to a big lots and a strip plaza. So it's not, you know, it's that kind of atmosphere where, where you can be the focal point of what's going on. Do you, do you, what, what are the advantages of that versus training for, uh, you know, I guess one of these bigger teams? Well, the gym itself is, is uh, it's a supreme gym. It's, it's, um, it's a huge facility, and we've got everything from, uh, from, from cages, mats. Uh, we have a orangutan exhibit in the back for strength, mobility, and then the whole, the whole nine and recovery on the side as well. And so the gym itself is completely decked out. And, um, and, and yeah, I, I like to keep myself sequestered out the side because, you know, I've, I've done some traveling just to the UFCPI, and, um, and I had <laughs> trips out to California that were just truthfully a vacation trip at the beginning of the year uh, that I had planned before the UFC. <clears throat> While I was out there, Dillashaw reached out to me. So I went and checked out his gym. Amazing dude, made the facility. Uh, but just kind of as I continue to network in those circles and uh, just kind of play around with those guys, getting kind of an idea, not not of those people, but of just the general atmosphere out there. It's a lot of ego. It's a lot of vanity. It's a lot of it's a lot of uh, uh, a lot of greed. And uh, and everybody's got somebody's fucking name in their mouth. And so for me. I like to stay out of all that. You know, there's a, there's a lot of fake people uh, in these big gyms. And, and, again, a lot of people are just kind of in it to, to ride the coattail of names. People start somewhere, and then they, they jump shit because they're constantly looking out for something better. Oh, it's, it's not me, it's them. And they're constantly looking out the window instead of looking, out the, looking in the mirror. Uh, and so, for me, I think that we just keep fine-tuning ourselves better and better. These are the men who have got me to where I am today, and I'm constantly overwhelmed with the gratification and, and impressed with my team always. And I'm constantly learning. And so it, doesn't, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't make any sense for me to just jump into a new, a new gym with new guys who have no idea what I'm about. I have no idea what they're about. You know, as a fighter, you go through a roller coaster at times in a fight camp and just life. You have these guys that are with you from the beginning like, hey, man, you do this every fucking camp. <laughs> you know, let's level ourselves back out. And they know you. These guys have known me since I was a kid, since I was 18 years old. And so, you know, it would be in my worst interest, I think. It's good, it's good to travel a little bit, befriend people, get a little touch here and there, take some notes, give, give, some, give some feedback yourself. But my home is my home, and I don't plan on going anywhere. And I think the advantage of that also is that I'm the guy. I am the guy. And so I'll bring training partners in, but I've got um, the most ideal coaches that I think I could surround myself with that center their focus around me. And that's something that, that, that you can't trade or you can't bargain for. Uh, a lot of these guys at these other gyms, a bunch of Indians without a chief. You know, they're just going head-to-head, clashing every day, and sometimes it's not, it's not the best way for growth. Looking at your career from the start of your UFC tenure, there were a lot of question marks. I mean, obviously, going against Darius, nobody has a lot of time to figure out what you're all about in, in that week, week and a half before you take that fight. And then you, you get such a fast knockout, 42 seconds, you're, you're now ranked. And uh, people think, well, I mean, this guy, all he did was he got, you know, he got a lucky punch, some people might think. Or, he, you know, we didn't get to see a lot of this guy's game in the 42 seconds. Um, so then you go three rounds with Aubin Mercier, and people have seen a lot of your game. The questions have been answered. I mean, I'm sure there were question marks going into both of those fights. In this fight, you're now a favorite against the guy who's a seasoned, seasoned veteran of this sport. But what are some things that people might not know yet about you that, you know, will answer even more questions that people might have about your game? I mean, people have no idea about me, and the more that I make my appearances, the more the story will be told. Uh, but but I am 
I'm a completely different human every time I step in that cage. You know, I was disappointed last fight because I don't think I unveiled uh, nearly, you know, my true talents in many of those exchanges. And so uh, I, 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 I plan to be a better version of myself this next fight. Uh, I mean, I will be. I don't think that the world will even recognize me. I might as well be going in there, you know, with a beard and a top hat. You know, I'll just constantly, constantly be a newer and better version of myself. And, and the more you see me, the more the story will be told. But you'll just have to wait and see. The reason I knew that your gym was in a plaza with the big lots is I've been watching your videos on YouTube, the Alexander Hernandez channel. You've got a lot of these previews. Yeah, um, how, how do you like those? How do you like those lots? Yeah, they're really cool. You know, the one thing that I think they're missing is I don't get to see much of, of what your life is like outside of training, but from what I what it appears, you don't have much of one. You just like to go in, you, you train from morning to night, you take a little bit of a break during the day, and then you go back. Yeah, there's not, there's not much life outside of training. Um, I do like to hang out with my friends. Um, you know, enjoy outings, but but I, I'm I'm obsessed and um, and so res- respectful of the game and my competition that I can't afford to be taking these breaks. I just couldn't I couldn't sleep a night if I were. And so uh, for me, I'm just waking up an eager student every day to learn, and I love it. I love the growth. I hate the feeling of regression. I can't stand it. And so you are seeing it all. That is that is how my days look every day. Um, and especially whenever, you know, we've got the promise of a fight, which seems like it's always around the corner. You know, things are always changing, especially in my division. It's kind of chaotic at the top. And so uh, there's not much time for horseplay, you know. And, and, and to be honest as well, when I do go out, I go out. <laughs> I go in. I like to act and ask about it. So, um, well, well, get that, get the, that part onto the show. I'm trying to save the for celebration. <laughs> Yeah, use that on the YouTube video. I'm interested to know what Alexander Hernandez is like when he's not uh, laser focused uh, on an yeah, opponent. You, yeah, you gotta pay for that. That's for <laughs> that's for a select few to see. I gotta, I, I, I truly go in when I go out, so I, I got to. Uh, I gotta do that very very scarcely. <laughs> well, you're in San Antonio. There's one sports team. Are you at least a Spurs fan? Do you follow them at all? Yeah, no, I, I do like the Spurs. Uh, truthfully, I, I don't keep up. You know, as as a as a kid, you know, I enjoy the Spurs. I go to their games often. Uh, my father is an AT and T for a bit, so we get really good uh, tickets or box tickets. It's pretty cool at times. Uh, but I I've never really been too big uh, in the sports. I was never really great. I I did play them, uh, but I generally sucked. And so it wasn't really until wrestling that I found my first love. And um, uh, and yeah, I, I don't really keep up too much with sports now. I mean, I, I, I don't keep up with much UFC even, you know, so I, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really watch the ball games. So do you scout your opponents? Do you watch a lot of tape? I mean, for Cerrone, you need a couple of days to watch his tape, but I mean, do, do, you, do you get a chance to look at what your opponent's doing or do you let your coaches do that? Uh, yeah, you know, for the Darius fight, we certainly didn't want to watch too much because it was all such a shock so quickly. Uh, going to Vegas and just having uh, that, like, sensory overload, you know, I didn't want to – there were times where I'd kind of watch them and then I felt like I was wearing them the next day. And so I, I didn't want to do that. I realized not to do that pretty quick. Um, when I have a little bit more time, uh, when my mood's right, I will. As long as I've got the right set of eyes, I'll, I'll watch it. Uh, I just don't want to overcredit or validate anything. And uh, at this point, yeah, I've, I've seen plenty of Cerrone. I, I know enough about him, you know. Um, and, and when I watch him – I already I already know the outcome, and so it's um, 
I, I've, I've studied enough, but I certainly, I'm not one of these guys that are like, oh, whenever he, you know, blinks with his left eye, he's going to, you know, he's going to fake right and, and throw the switch. You know, I'm not, not, I'm not memorizing mannerisms. I'm not overthinking any, any, yeah, quality that the guy's got. I'm, I'm just, um, I just get a good idea. I understand the man. And really what I like to do is understand the man outside of the cage more than anything. I want to know how he thinks, how his mind works, what drives him in that cage, what breaks him. Uh, I, I like to see what kind of person I'm going up against. And I know I'm always a stronger person. Uh, so that's what I'm more curious about, more so than even combos or, you know, trivial things like that. Well, what holes do you see in his character or, or him as a person? What do I interpret as that? Hey, well, what holes do you see in his in his character or, or as cowboy oh, as a guy? He's, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's he's a he's a scared man. He uh, he runs from adversity instead of facing it. He's got he's got a number of mixed mistresses uh, to keep him distracted. He goes from 55 to 70, from 70 to 55. He's constantly juggling, hopping from one thing to the next because the second that there's a heavy turbulence, he darts. He puts 60 percent in the fighting at times, maybe 50. You know, maybe up to 80 or 90, and then the other time he's shooting his gun, scuba diving, doing whatever, jumping off cliffs, I don't fucking know, you know, wrestling tigers, whatever. And, and, and it's, it's constantly to devoid tension from the greatest stress and the greatest pressing focus or, or rather adversity that he needs to face, which is being in that octagon. And so he divides his tension, runs from, runs from that adversity, not I, I, I face that head on. If I feel that adversity, I figure out how to overcome it. I want to evolve. I want to get stronger. And I'll be damned if a guy who's putting split attention into anything is going to be my 100% undivided focus. Again, I'm, I'm irrehensibly tenacious, and I'm, I'm far too driven. This is far bigger than I am, and this, uh, I was made to do this. So I, I don't think that he's, he's just not wired the way I'm wired. And I wasn't born like this. I, I became this. And, and it was because I went into the adversity. I went into that cave where you try to find a, a short route around the tunnel. And how do you plan on exploiting that? I mean, is that something you're going to do strictly in the octagon, or are there some things that you're planning in the lead-up to the I'm, fight? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break him. You'll see. The whole, the whole process, He'll, he will be a broken man. And you know what breaks him. We all know what breaks him. And I'm going to execute. All right, Alexander. Well, you've done nothing but, uh, but show up and answer questions uh, throughout your UFC career. You've got a big uh, fight ahead of you next weekend. Uh, I'll be down there in Brooklyn covering it. I look forward to speaking with you again. You're a very oh, intense man in person. I, you know, I spoke to you at Calgary back- backstage afterwards, and I'm like, man, this guy, uh, even, even after you won the fight, you were still intense, and I was, I was pretty impressed by that. Yeah, yeah, I'm ultra-critical, and that's, that's the, as I pride myself on awareness. I think that's where m- most of the growth comes from. And, and yeah, I was... <laughs> I don't know if I was too harsh, but I was definitely uh, I was definitely critical that night. All right. Well, hopefully uh, that won't be the case uh, this particular weekend, no, and uh, we'll see no, it. We'll see how it goes. So uh, thanks for your time, you Alex. Brother. I appreciate this, and uh, we'll we'll see you next week. Okay. Have a good one. That was Alexander the Great Hernandez. He's actually a quite a sizable favorite against Don- Donald Cerrone, which is yeah, somewhat surprising. But yeah. I mean, he's this kid's a buzzsaw. So. Uh, I'm interested to see how Cerrone looks going back to 155. I mean, he he was walking around a lot heavier. I know he hates cutting weight, so that's going to be something to watch uh, during fight week. Yeah, um, but I mean, I, I still think he was, I mean, I don't think he was a great welterweight just because, you know, he didn't look that big to me. No. You know, he didn't look that big. And a lot of these welterweights cut a lot, man. You got to think like the Darren Tills of the division, yeah. right? Well, it's I mean, crazy. He's an example Even of the guy Even the Woodleys of the division. Like, yeah. they're huge.
Yeah, and Cerrone, I think, probably walks around at like 175, 180. He's probably just what? Just over six feet tall, probably? Yeah, he's a tall guy. Yeah, but very slim, not very thick. Yeah. But. So here's our end of year from last year tally. So I ended up finishing uh, with $120.55. Yeah, you made 20 bucks. Yeah, I made 20 bucks. And you finished at $71.75. I lost. I yeah. lost twenty nine bucks. Yeah, so you lost twenty. We were not you know, bad. Not much not even bad. Our, our last picks of the year for uh, two thirty two. We did some hail mary parlays. That's it. I had Curtis Millinder, Peter Yan, Nathaniel Wood. It's all going well, and then yeah. Bavon Lewis, who was looking yeah. great, and then unfortunately got clipped in the third round by uh, Uriah Hall. Uriah Hall, man, he'll catch you. And, Can't uh, sleep on him. Joe's uh, parlay: uh, Corey Anderson, check mark. Boom. Michael Chiesa, check mark, and then three losses: Mendez, Zingano, and Cr Bahadurzada. Yeah. So, uh, hell Mary. We both got on a bit of a losing note, uh, but we were we were kind of throwing uh, throwing darts for that yeah, last card, to, trying to, to catch trying up, trying to make a statement. And I I tried to uh, stave Joe off with a parlay of my own, but neither came through. Um, <laughs> Joe, who do you like? UFC Brooklyn. We are going to give one pick this week, and then um, next week we'll do a full preview and another pick. Yeah, I th- I th- I even though both of us a... were racking our brains to make a single pick for this one. I know this one was pretty tough. I think just with the odds, I'm here to make some money. Um, and I think with the odds, well, by the way, we're starting fresh. We're starting at 100, 100, 100 now. perfect. Yeah. Uh, and and the guy to get me over 100 is going to be uh, Henry Cejudo. I think I'm going to go with him. Um, just his ability to wrestle, man, and, and his ability to change it up. I think Dillashaw definitely has an advantage on the feet, but the pressure and that forwardness of uh, and the wrestling of Cejudo is going to do it. All right, I'm going to do a bit of a safe parlay. Uh, a little bit of chalk, but... Uh... Joseph Benavidez at minus two forty. He's already beaten Dustin Ortiz. I think he's just he's very similar to Dustin Ortiz. I just think he's better in every uh, area. Yeah, minus two forty for Benavidez. Yeah, parlayed with Greg Hardy at minus five hundred. So that's gonna go take us to minus one forty two. I'm just not super high on Alan Crowder. I think that that's just a bad matchup for him. I mean, Greg Hardy right now in the striking department is a bad matchup for anybody who doesn't have much of a grappling game. And I think that that's why they're uh, tossing Alan Crowder into the mix. So. Uh, that's minus one forty-two. So you're uh, starting really. Still. You're starting patient. Yeah, cautious. So All right, I'm okay cautious. with that. Yeah, yeah. Why not? I thought you know maybe 2019. You're going in guns blazing, but no. No, cautious. let's let's, let's right. temper. You know, I don't want to force things this year. I think that that's going to be the uh, the key. Yeah. Maybe I should to, uh, take something out of that page. Yeah, I, I I always I like, like, I, say, like I like the Zahudo pick. I, yeah, I like the Zahudo pick. I mean, it's just tough because Dillashaw is so good. You know, to go against someone as good as Dillashaw is hard, For but. Sure. Uh, I mean, so but there's, ta- man, t- there's lots of tangibles that we need to look at. There's lots of things that yeah. um, play into this that that I think make it a different kind of fight for TJ Dillashaw. Yeah, I mean, I just like I said, the ability to wrestle to me is huge. And how do you shut down someone with some of the best striking in the UFC is with good wrestling and pressure. So if anyone's going to be able to do that, it's Cejudo. All right, so that's what we've got for uh, our first pick of two. The rest of uh, that will be broken down next week uh, on the TSN MMA show. Uh, I'm not sure who our guest is going to be just yet, but we're we're always working around the clock to try to bring you guys good guests, good interesting guests. I thought Alexander Hernandez was phenomenal this week. He For was, sure. Uh, he really brought it. Um, all right, so UFC on ESPN Plus One, the first ever ESPN card, both the late prelims and the main card. For the first time, we've got uh, late prelims um, on a, a standard fight night card uh, that's not on network that's on TSN 5 next Saturday starting at 8 p.m. Eastern. So uh, TSN is now your home for the late prelims and main cards of every card save for pay-per-views. Pay-per-views, we just have the late prelims. Um, so uh, you can check that out on uh, TSN 5 next Saturday. So a lot of people have asked, you know, I don't get ESPN Plus. Uh, what do we yep, do in Canada? Do we, do? we don't have access to it. Well, it's just on regular TV. There we go. Yep. So, and uh, uh, the early prelims still on Fight Pass. Uh, yes, early prelims are still on Fight Pass, um, so you can check the, those out there. Um, I don't know if we have, 
I know. I think I think that's the case for every card for the most part. So early, the first two prelims. three fights are usually on Fight Pass, and then they go into the ESPN app. Yeah, the four where the four. we'll be on TSN. So basically, if there's let's say it's a twelve fight, like how many fights are on this? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. So there's eleven on this card. Um, so you'll you'll have. I I believe you'll have four four on the main. Oh no, you'll probably have six on the main. Six or I think five. six on the main. I'll have to go and look. They usually do five, but sometimes six. Might I be guess. five. Let's let's see. Uh, UFC classic. It's usually five. Yeah. So I'm not 100 percent sure. I'm gonna check right now and see because I think they probably have it lined up um, already. But um, we will. Uh, there might be more. There might end up being 13 on this card. They might end up finding replacement opponents, but I know that their back's probably against the wall at this point to find replacement opponents for guys like Glover and uh, Sandhagen, who are pretty high-level guys. So uh, main card, you got one, two, three, four, five, six on the main card. Six. Although they have it as uh, Glover versus TBD right now. And then on the prelims, you'll have four. And then the early prelims, I think, will probably just one or Right two. now it says three scheduled, but They'll it's probably just up. one. Yeah. yeah, it's probably just one at this point, unless they can find replacement opponents. So um, that's how it's going to shake out. So you'll uh, you'll end up seeing on Saturday or leading up to the card, um, if they do find replacements, you'll see what the card looks like on, on UFC.com. Um, so we'll have the late prelims and the main card on TSN5. Uh, check out Joseph Valtellini on YouTube. His latest yep. video, as he mentioned earlier, the John Jones video, Boxing to Elbows. Drop them elbows with those boxing. Yep. Um, good. Important to flow. That's the best way to land elbows. When someone's anticipating a punch, they shell up, crack those elbows. So let's learn. And Bazooka Kickboxing, 680 Progress Road if you uh, are looking to get into kickboxing. Um, As well as you you guys do everything there, right? We do everything. We got uh, no gi jiu-jitsu. We got gi jiu-jitsu. We're starting an MMA program. Is it called Bazooka Kickboxing still? It's uh, Bazooka Kickboxing and MMA. It's always been an MMA. I will change that. I just like saying and Bazooka Kickboxing. All right. It depends. When my guys fight in MMA, it's Bazooka MMA. When we fight in kickboxing, we say Bazooka Kickboxing. And sometimes I just like saying kickboxing with it because that word, man. That's what I live yeah, for. That's that right. one word. So I got to push it in everywhere. We had a conversation yesterday. There was boxing was on TV. I was in the control room at the TSN radio, and I said, "Like, what? I have trouble watching boxing now because I I just find that MMA is so much like has so many more facets to it." Yeah. And I said, "If you had three TVs and it was boxing on one, MMA on one, and kickboxing on one, and I didn't know who any of the guys were, I'd probably watch kickboxing." Absolutely, you would. Yeah, all of us would, there for you go. sure. And I mean, that's why we don't understand still, like why. It hasn't taken off bigger. I know. I I don't know. I love watching it. It's so and like boxing is long. That's the issue. I think it's getting long it's... attention span. Yeah. I, I can't watch forty five minutes. Sometimes an hour boxing match. Even honestly, three five minutes is long for me. Sometimes I'm like, oh, come on, let's go, <laughs> speed it up a little bit. That's why kickboxing. Three minutes, three rounds, go next, next. The most popular sport in the Olympics, probably the hundred meter sprint. Hey, yeah, what, that's quick. a yeah. kickboxing. Like, get, it get it in, get it out. Inst- We're Instagram all watching. Video. We yeah. breathe and go. That's it. So I mean, uh, yeah, it's coming. It's growing. It, it it will grow just as big one day. And I don't. I want to. I don't want to say bigger because I want all the sports to grow. I want boxing to get better. I want combat sports in general just to grow. So I'm happy all around. It seems like a lot of competitors are opening up in every field. Yeah. Um, it's starting to change. I'm telling you, champ versus champ, champ now is this getting ridiculous. You're you're no longer a world champion unless you're a champ, champ, which is to me stupid. All the times dominate. I like like the GSP, but he came back. He became a champ, champ too. <laughs> I mean, everybody's becoming champ, champs, which is crazy. But uh, who knows? Who knows what this world of sports is coming to? Yeah, crazy I, world. Well, I just I think that there's like uh, all these new MMA promotions opening up. You got uh, 
and they a lot want of a lot of, right? a lot of them are putting money more money into their brand, like one yeah. championship, for example. Yeah, then, then of course, even more pro wrestling stuff is opening yeah. up. Like there's this new all elite pro wrestling or something like that. Yeah. They're putting lots of money behind that because content is so important in this day and age. You can make money off of yeah. just having even, good content. Even the crossing between them, like I mean, Connor and Florida. I think it was still a big step in combat sports when they boxed. I mean. Now, even with tension, the kickboxer with oh, Floyd. We didn't get to talk about that. No, I we? know. No, we didn't. But, what I mean, did it's think, still what did, something. Hold on. Did you think that that fight was fixed? No. That's Okay, good. I, I'm on the same. No. I'm of the same opinion. No. Because I don't know about you the other acting. Like, I mean, him crying afterwards and like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, but why, why Why? would that indicate a fix if he's crying? No, afterwards? I mean, it just it was This weird. is the opportunity of a lifetime to try to it beat Floyd weird. Mayweather and you're a 120-pound fighter. Yeah. But did you watch Robin's breakdowns of it? Of it, no. Well, so Robin, I don't know. Robin seems a little bit suspect of it. I don't, he's not committing one way or another. But this is the thing that, that I'm thinking. And do you tell me if you agree with this? Because you have experience of being in the ring. Okay. So tension kickboxes at 120 pounds. Okay. The boxing element of kickboxing, while important, is not the primary focus of your training. Yeah. In order to, to box, your, your, your brain has to... Sh- it's different. It has to shut off part of what your language is, basically. Yeah. It's almost like a second language. Yeah. He's going in against the guy who is the best boxer of this generation. And people say, oh, Floyd, he hasn't knocked anybody out. He doesn't have the power. If you're taking blows from a guy that's bigger than you, genetically bigger than you, that has that kind of boxing acumen, you're going to go down. Yeah. You're, Overwhelmed, you're, too. You're, just, yeah. you're not used to it. So that's what my thought process is. Like, yeah. he's getting hit to the, two of those shots were to, to the temple that knocked yeah. him down. And if you're getting hit hard to the temple, they seem using a little exaggerated. I'm not going to say, oh, my God, it was, it was, it was, he got hit. He got hit. He got overwhelmed. He got pressured. He realized that he has a lot of power. He was outworked. I mean, yeah, it was a legit. Do I, it's a little, what kind of didn't sell it was kind of like when he got hit, like the way he overfell kind of thing. Yeah. You're like, yeah, okay, like. I can see why people think it is, but I don't think I'm it is. I'm not going to use your name because you think you can beat anybody. But let's say Nikki Holskin or somebody that, that is like a 175-pound kickboxer yeah. moves up to box Tyson Fury. Yeah. And he weighs – Holskin weighs 220 pounds in this fight or whatever. Yeah. Put 215 pounds. He bulks up a little bit. Mm-hmm. He's still going to get destroyed in that Absolutely. fight. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Nikki did fight Caleb Smith in boxing and did. But what weight class? He got beat in his own weight exactly. class. Exactly. Yeah. It's different. You're, it's a different you're, not, game. Used, you're not used to going against guys. You don't guys. angle, you don't use head movement. The number one difference, like kickboxers, we keep our hands planted on our head. Where in boxing, you got to move, be a little bit more fluid. Defense, defense is different. Angles, the way they use their jab. We use our kicks to shut down jabs. Now you got to move your head. It's a totally different sport. And you're talking about somebody who's like 25% bigger than you. Like yeah. that, that, it's a big jump from and like, a 120 why would, to 140. Why would Ryzen want to do that? They're a star. They built yeah. him up. Well, that's what Japan I said. I said superhero. I then said, all of a sudden get him beat up in the first round. Well, said, it doesn't make listen, sense from a promotion. If you are going to fix that fight, if Mayweather says, I'm going to do this, but I have to win the fight. Yeah. And they say, okay, well, we're going to make sure you do. You're not going to have him lose in that kind of embarrassing fashion where yeah. he gets knocked down three times in, in the span round. of a minute. That's where it makes me like say, like, okay, the act and this is this, but that's the point that says, okay, can't be fixed. Like that would be ridiculous. Your biggest star, you're making him look. People were so like mad that. at me about this. Like they were they were like, oh, yeah. How could you not see that this is fixed? It's like, well You see Connor wanting to fight tension now? I, that I don't even want yeah. to talk about. It, it, it annoys me so kick, much. If they want to kickbox, I'd be down. But it's not going to happen. <laughs> I know, but the <laughs> UFC is not going to say, "Okay, Ryzen, a, a go, rival go mixed martial arts organization, yeah. you can have Connor for one night no, to on New Year's can... Eve, two days after our yeah. pay per view, to take fight on." This kid. Yeah. yeah, there's zero upside for anybody in that situation. In that for, for me, I like it because it's kickboxing, and I'd want tension to win too. But 
Um, T- tension goes. I'll do kickboxing with you. Like I will not do MMA, but I'll do kickboxing with you yeah. at 145 pounds. Do you think Connor's going to go to Japan deplete no, himself? Absolutely not. No, of course not. Absolutely. Yeah, the whole thing is just, just. I actually think Connor. That's where I, I think the thing that that people don't understand about Connor is. Connor's basically saying, like, oh, you're going to pay, pay someone yeah, $9 million to do an thing. easy fight? Sure, but, I'll, let me do MMA against the guy like Floyd where, did boxing. But this is where we talked about earlier in the show. Floyd, uh, not Floyd, sorry, Connor McGregor keeps his name relevant when he's not fighting. Yeah. That's what, why are we talking? Because he just made a little tweet like that, and now we talk about it. That's what fighters need to do. Like, I've done that. We just need ways of creating tension. That's why he's so good at being a uh, you know, public figure. No pun intended, creating tension. Yeah, there you, there you go. go. Yeah. And on that note, we'll Boom, leave on a high note, the mic. and we'll see you next week, folks. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.